0: Well today we're continuing a series of messages we started last Sunday called Christmas Remembered and uh, what we're doing is a similar pattern if you are with us for Holy Week and Easter this year is we're connecting a New Testament passage with an Old Testament passage and we're seeing how God's greater story plays out in all of Scripture and really all of our lives Uh, because God knew that he was going to have to send Jesus to this earth before the world was ever created. Isn't that amazing? that he knew that he was going to have to set forth in motion the things and the places and the plan that he had for each and every one of us. And so last week, as Pastor Craig kicked off this series, we looked at Bethlehem. We kind of get a deep dive into why uh, Joseph had to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem and the significance of Bethlehem. And that's why, where is it at? Over here. The star is on our set design at number two. And then this week for the ninth uh, we're going to be looking at people. We're going to be looking specifically at Mary and Joseph and their interaction with angels. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the promises of God. And then for our, for our Christmas services, we're going to be looking at the purpose of all of this. Uh, so we hope that you plan to be here, that you're going to invite as many people uh, as you possibly can to hear the greatest message ever of what God has done for us. Amen. So today, uh, we're going to be looking once again at traditions. Maybe you have traditions in your family. What are those uh, traditions in your family from when you were first uh, born? And you can remember being a child in your home. Uh, In my house, uh, we always decorated the the Christmas tree together, and my mom was obsessed with this Christian artist named Sandy Patty. Anybody remember Sandy Patty? Some of you, and the song that she would put on repeat was, Come on, Ring Those Bells. Anybody know that song? So I hear that song now on the radio and I instantly go back to being a five-year-old kid. I mean, she would just play it over and over and over again and the ornaments that we had to put on the tree. And it's interesting as you talk to people, right, because they'll say, hey, it's not really Christmas until I watch this Christmas movie or it's not really Christmas until I go to this place and I see the Christmas lights, whether it's Partridge Creek or down in Detroit or I go to this street and I look at the Christmas you know, lights or the lights are, are already on my house. Then it feels like Christmas Or people say, well, I have to do these activities or these crafts or these things with my kids. Once I do this, then it really truly is Christmas. And I'm always amazed at how how particular people are about food at Christmas, right? There are people that if you don't have certain types of food at the Christmas table, it is not Christmas. Amen? Right? And they'll say, listen, somebody forgot this dish. The whole thing's off. Jesus wasn't born. I don't know whose fault this is. How could this have happened? We know the family traditions that we have. You have to have this at Christmas. Any of you out there want to admit that that's you? Right? All right. Some of you are brave enough to say that. Thank you this morning. But what about the greater story? How are your family traditions tied into the greater story? Is your tradition to make sure that you're in church each and every week of December because you know we're going to be talking about the Christmas story? Is it to make sure that you're here for one of our Christmas Eve services? But what about you personally? What time are you taking? We talked about this last week with Pastor Craig. What are you doing to slow down your life, to spend time with God in His Word and allow God to speak to you outside of our corporate gathering here on Sunday morning? What does that look like for you? And with all the traditions that we have as families and the things that we do and the things that just fill our hearts with joy and peace, what are you doing if you have kids in your home or grandkids in your life to connect your kids and your grandkids to the greater Christmas story What does that look like in your life? And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're like, you know, honestly, I don't have those traditions or I haven't thought about that. And maybe God would challenge you and push you to start those traditions this year. And it starts with carving out the time. It starts with being intentional about passing on the true Christmas story because if there's any story, we should make sure that we get right. It's the Christmas story. It's Christ's story. It's his story. It's his redemptive plan coming into this world for you and for me. And today we get to look at a couple passages of scripture in both Luke and Matthew, the accounts uh, that talk about the Christmas story, and just see how God would speak to our hearts today. And so I invite you to grab one of the chair Bibles that are uh, in front of you, if you're in the front row, that are underneath the seat. If you have your own Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter chapter 1. It's on page 855. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you're more than welcome to, to open that as well. And we're going to start by reading Mary's story, and then we're going to switch to reading Joseph's story. So, page 855, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Now, the guy writing this is Luke. He went around and he interviewed a bunch of eyewitnesses. Most likely, he interviewed Mary. And so he is writing this as an actual account. This is what actually took place. This isn't some cute story we tell at Christmas time. This isn't a fairy tale. This is actually what took place. And it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so you can see, even as he's writing this, right, he's writing details. Here's the location, here's the name of Jesus' mom, Mary, here's the name of Jesus' dad, Joseph. He's giving us the facts. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God." And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. I mean, just imagine hearing these words. And then I want you to think about how this is tied into the Old Testament. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, Old Testament character. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, Old Testament character. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, Well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Think about it. Your child is going to be holy. He literally will be the Son of God. And then look at these encouraging words he gives to Mary. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And in this is in the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord; let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her And as we look at this text, as we go back, and there are some things that we can kind of pick up from our text this morning. First of all, the location, right? They're in Nazareth. And Nazareth, believe it or not, is not actually mentioned in the Old Testament. The word Bethlehem is, and that's why Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem to fulfill that prophecy. But what we do learn about Nazareth is actually a place that most people didn't want to live. It was considered where the outcast lived. This is where the despised, uneducated poor in the community would go and they would live. And here's the place that our God would pick. He would find Mary and Joseph in this context. And it says that she's a virgin, she's betrothed to be married, which is simply an engagement. And see, back then, engagement meant a whole different thing than it means today. In fact, it was legally binding. And so when you were engaged, you were legally bound to the other person. And engagements would last up to nine months. And the reason they did this is because they wanted to make sure the woman wasn't already pregnant. Because this is the only way that the man could actually divorce the woman is if she was found to be pregnant. So they would have a nine-month engagement. Think about how much they valued the sanctity of marriage, right? How much they honored the marriage bed by making sure that this took place. And so here they are. They're in this engagement period, and this angel comes to Mary. And what does the angel say? Surprise, right? (laughs) You're going to have a baby, and it's going to be a boy, and God has already named the child for you. You are to name him Jesus. I mean, can you imagine the reaction from Mary? Can you imagine even trying to download this information and even comprehend what's happening? Let alone an angel is literally there standing in front of you telling you these things. I mean, it's so hard for us to kind of grasp what the, the magnitude of what this moment must have been like for this poor, this uneducated, this very young woman who has all of her hopes, all of her dreams, all of her wedding to plan for, and now she finds out that she is going to become pregnant and that she is going to birth the savior of the world. The weight of that, the thoughts, the contemplation that was going through her mind at that point. In fact, we learned just a little bit about it because it says that she was actually troubled. She was actually greatly troubled. She's trying to figure this whole thing out. And she even says to the angel, how will this be? I am a virgin and the angel tells her he gives her the answer to her question and he says this the holy spirit will come upon you think about this the power of the most high will overshadow you just like the holy spirit was hovering over the waters in genesis 1 in creation the holy spirit has always been part of this the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god He gives her these words as an encouragement and God, you can see in his grace and his mercy for Mary is explaining to her what is going to happen and why it's going to happen and why this is so important that she signs up for this mission that God is about to give her. And this is what I love, that God doesn't ever put us in a situation without surrounding us with other people and we're going to see how he brings Joseph into her life and Joseph walks this journey with her, but he also takes one of her relatives, Elizabeth, who's an older woman, and younger women, man, isn't that really cool when you have an older woman that can pour into you and mentor you and walk alongside you? And women in the room, isn't it cool when other people uh, that that you know that you're friends with are pregnant with you, right? Women like to go through pregnancies together. And my wife, every time someone's pregnant, always thinks it's a good idea that she go through their pregnancy with them. And I always say, that's a horrible idea, right? (laughs) We would have 8,262 kids if that was the case today. But women, you know that because you have different hearts and you think differently than men do and you realize the value and how wonderful this is and how much he loved Mary that he would give this older relative to not only mentor her and walk alongside her, that she would also be pregnant with her. In fact, you learn in Luke chapter 1, the chapter right before this, that an angel appeared to Zachariah, who's Elizabeth's husband. So he gets a physical angel that says, hey, just so you know, your wife is going to have a child and it's going to be a son. And guess what? We already have his name picked out too. You're to call him John. And this is how things are going to go for his life. And this is going to be his purpose as well. So God's performing two miracles within this very first couple of chapters of Luke. And so you know what happens next? This is really cool. Mary and Elizabeth come together and they begin to plan this, the gender reveal party for their boys, Right? Isn't that what you read in the text? <laughs> think about it. Think about it. This time, nobody ever gets to find out. that They didn't have pregnancy tests. They didn't go in and find out the sex of a child. I mean, what an incredible gift to not only know that you're having a child, but to know that you're having a son and that this is his purpose. This is his destiny. This is his plan. And I'm amazed as we read the account of Mary, her response to all of this, because so often in life, think about it, We don't get good surprises very often in life, do we? Right? Can you think of the surprises that are actually good surprises? I was trying to think of some this week. It may be your boss pulls you into the office, right? And he says, hey, you know what? You've really been working hard. We're going to give you a promotion. We're going to move you into this new role. Or maybe your boss pulls you in and says, you know, you've been working really hard. We're going to give you a bonus. We're going to pay you more. We just really appreciate everything that you're doing. We're going to increase your pay. And how cool that is during this time of the season. Maybe it's you find out you wake up in the morning, you open the newspaper, and your stocks have skyrocketed, right? And you're just doing a happy dance in the living room. That's a good surprise, right? Or even finding out that you're with child. Or some of you in here, you find out that there's two little ones in there, right? That's a surprise. Surprise, not just one. You're getting two. What a bundle package, right? I mean, that's incredible. There's not that many things in life that we can say that are good surprises. Usually they're the opposite, But yet God, in his grace and his mercy, he gives Mary the ability to say, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She trusts the angel. She trusts that the angel is from God. And I can't even imagine what she went through is now she's contemplating, how am I going to tell Joseph? How am I going to tell my family? How am I going to tell my village? How is this all going to work out and play out in my life? But yet Mary's story became part of Of God's greater story. And she was a willing vessel to do this. Now, I want us to look at Joseph's story this morning. And you're going to see it's a little bit different than Mary's. So I want you to flip over to page 807. And on page 807, we're going to find Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, 18, it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, now listen to this, before they came together, she was found to be with child. So how far along did she need to be before Joseph said, yeah, she is with child? Right, I asked some women this morning, some said three months, some said she might even have been five months. At what point did she, was she found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And I want to stop there for a moment, because this is what often happens when I, when I read Scripture. I always want to ask the questions surrounding this whole thing. Why didn't Joseph get an angel the same time Mary did? So while Mary's got an angel and she's being told what's going to happen, why didn't Joseph over here get an angel and be told what's happening in his life? Why was that the, why was that the case? How long did Joseph have to go knowing what Mary knew and that she was with child and that she got to see an angel and yet no one had visited Joseph? No one had told Joseph of God's plan. Life is not fair, is it? I mean, just think about that. Think about how long he had to go, and here he is, he's toiling, and he's, he's, he's frustrated, and back in this culture, as I said, this was the only reason that you could divorce even your fiancé, and he could have made a public spectacle if you dig into the whole way that they did things back then. He could have brought her up in front of the whole village and made a huge spectacle of her, but instead it says he was a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her Quietly. And put yourself in his shoes. This is a whole different surprise, isn't it? This isn't a happy, good surprise. This is actually like a surprise that you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that the person that you love, that you've committed yourself, has cheated on you. And maybe you've been in a relationship like that. Maybe you were engaged and the engagement got broken off. Maybe you were in a marriage and the other person didn't live up to their end of the bargain and they walked away from the marriage. Maybe you went to the doctor because you thought you had one thing wrong with you and you ended up leaving the doctor's office finding out you had another whole thing, another whole level of health issues that you never, ever, ever thought that you would have to deal with. Maybe you went to the doctor again to find out that you weren't pregnant and it's this pattern that keeps happening over and over again. Maybe you got pulled into the boss's office and the boss said instead of promoting you, demoted you. Instead of giving you a pay increase, gave you a pay decrease. Maybe it got to the point where the boss said, you know what, we really, we, we're not, we just don't really see a need for you here anymore and so we're going to have to release you and let you go. And you're dealing with that now, today, during this season. Can I just encourage you? For whatever reason, God allows people to go through circumstances. And even Joseph, the son or the father of God, the guy that was going to protect him through this whole journey, he even allows Joseph to go through hardships. And I can't give you all the answers of why he does this. If it was me, I would say, okay, angel one to Mary, angel two to Joseph. But that's not how God did it. But we can take comfort in knowing that God is always working his plan For a greater purpose. I want you to look at verse 20 because look at what happens. It says, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a what? All right, say it again. Appeared to him in a. Now, I just think this is a little unfair. Honestly, do. Come on. How many sleepless nights has he already been through? How much turmoil has he already been through trying to figure out how to get out of this relationship? Again, Mary gets the physical angel. This guy gets a dream. Okay, men in the room, wake up, right, right? Um, think about this. How many times have you had a dream and you've woken up from it and you said, what was that? All right, five of us. Okay, good, come on. <laughs> Women, because you have dreams too. How many of you have you've had dreams and you've woken up from them and you said, what was that? And you've questioned it, right? I mean, think about this. He has to put his faith and his trust in a dream. Again, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair right from the get-go, right from the beginning of the Christmas story. But the angel says to him, Joseph, and I love this, son of David. He tells him who he is. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Addresses that fear issue. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus and then think about this: He will save His people from their sins. No other religion claims this as their own. That the Savior is going to be born, and not only is He the Savior, but He is actually going to pay for the sins for you and for me. Ultimately, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, that you and I can have life. And Joseph gets to hear these words in a dream from an angel. In verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew helps us out. He says, which means God with us. And that's our Old Testament connection this morning. Matthew just puts it right in. He Actually, he does this several times uh, throughout his gospel account. Isaiah is the most quoted Old Testament prophet in all of the New Testament scripture. I mean, Matthew does Isaiah scriptures all over the place. And really, this is what it says in Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And what I love most about this is that was hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, Isaiah speaks these words. He speaks these truths. And the part that I think we can take the most comfort in is that the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. He's not asking somebody else to give you a sign. He's not saying, well, I'm going to go over here and do something else and leave that burden to, you know, somebody else. But he says, I am going to give you a sign. I will set in motion. I have a greater purpose and a greater plan. Even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense in your mind, I will fulfill and I will weave my perfect will into your life. And that's exactly what he does for Joseph. And he's considering these things. He's contemplating these things. And what does he do? He somehow wakes up from his sleep. Look at verse 24. When Joseph, how you knew he was asleep, when he woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and he knew her not. He didn't sleep with her. He didn't know her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name, Jesus. Man, the character of, of this man, the integrity of this man. And this guy so often gets pushed aside, right? There's so much more written about Mary, and he kind of just falls off the scenes after the Christmas story. A lot of theologians think maybe he was older, maybe he passed away, you know, who knows what the situation is. And here, he gets a dream, and he follows God's plan. In fact, later on, you find out that he gets three more dreams. He never gets a physical angel, he always gets the dreams. Three more dreams, three more angels and how God used him to protect Jesus, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He never, ever went against God's plan each and every step of the way. God was working his greater plan out in Joseph's life. And I think you and I this morning, we can stand in awe of not only how meticulous our God is, and how he makes sure that he fulfills every single prophecy in the Old Testament, but that he loves people so much that he gives them exactly what they need in the moment that they need it, even when we don't understand even when it's difficult, even when it's confusing to us. He did as the angel had commanded him. He was obedient unto the Lord. And as we stand in God's plan that he can take care of us, he also takes care of you and for me. I want you to think back to Mary and Joseph for a moment. They had nothing to offer God. They were nobodies. Nobody knew who they were. From a village that lacked education and was known for poverty. It's highly unlikely that they had money or power or influence or any of that stuff. Yet God entrusts them with this sacred mission. And it made me think about our lives, right? What is it that God has entrusted to us? What is the mission that he's called us to, especially during the season when it seems a lot more people are engaged in talking about Jesus. I don't know why, I don't know if you know this, but more people attend Christmas services than they do Easter and Holy Week services. I mean, this is prime time for the church. Did you know that? This is prime time for us to up our game, to up our love and our compassion for others. I think so often we just get so distracted and we get overcome by everything else that's going on that we forget the whole reason we even have this month. We have all these services. We have these set designs. We do all these things that we may point people to Jesus. So what is it that, what is that for us? What is God called you and I into? It's kind of interesting that, you know, Christmas is always on the heels of Thanksgiving, right? Right? And uh, it, it seems like it just comes so fast. And just this last th- uh, Thanksgiving, some of Lisa's family were in town from Ohio. And we were getting toward the end of their visit, they were getting ready to leave. And one of Lisa's relatives told Lisa that they weren't coming at Christmas. And um, that didn't sit really well with Lisa. And so luckily, I was safely in the living room. And they were in the kitchen. And there was, you know, you could just feel the tension in the conversation brewing over here. Uh, and, you know, they are having this discussion and, and um, eventually Lisa just got so frustrated. Don't worry, she gave me permission to tell the story. Um, she, she got so frustrated that she went into another room. And so this family member came into the living room where I was just minding my own business, right? <laughs> and I was sitting, I'm not lying, I was sitting and I closed my eyes and I was saying to myself, just pretend you're asleep, just pretend you're asleep. <laughs> and then I'm like, she knows I'm not asleep. And so she wants me to be the, you know, mediator in all of this. And I really looked at her. I said, guess what? Honestly, like, um, Lisa's probably, Lisa's just going to tell me where I need to be and what I need to wear and I'm fine if you just put me in a corner and, you know, I'll just, you know, stay out of this whole thing. Like, that's my, that's what I'm, you know, I don't want to get involved in any of this. And as I was reading this passage this week, as I was studying, this is the story that God brought to mind. This is where I was being convicted through God's word. And I thought that's not really the attitude that I should have. And so I want to leave us with this final challenge this morning. That maybe as we interact with the world around us, we're going to come in contact with people who don't quite know there's a greater plan and a greater purpose in all of this. And you and I have an opportunity each and every day to interact with these people, to talk to these people, to show God's grace and mercy to these people. And go to the next slide here. I think this is how we can do it. As we remember Christmas, as we look back almost 2,000 years and we look back to all the prophecies that have been fulfilled, our families actually need our connection. And maybe you've got somebody difficult in your family and you, you barely survived Thanksgiving and you're not looking forward to Christmas, but yet somehow God is going to soften your heart and he's going to give you the words to say, and you're going to pull that family member in closer. Our neighbors need our compassion. And imagine, church, if we just take a deep breath, and when we're at the stores, we let other people go in front of us, right? And we don't try to chase people down in the aisles. We, like, obviously just smile and say, Merry Christmas to people. Maybe when, it's on, when we're on Hall Road, and we realize those orange cones aren't going anywhere, Right? Somebody at 8.30 gave me this idea. They said, when you're on Hallwalt Road, just pretend that the orange cones are all Christmas trees. <laughs> I thought, that's and, and they were there, and, we, and when, you're, when you see the Christmas trees, you just thank the, the construction workers and the road workers who have been working so diligently on that. And I said, wow, that is an amazing perspective. And that when we go around to our places of work and our businesses and our neighborhoods, that we would show people compassion Because maybe by our humility and our obedience, that God would write a greater story in their life. Because our world needs to know there's a greater purpose in all of this. Amen? Amen. And you know how they're going to know? It's going to be by how we treat them, by how we treat our family, by how we treat and respond to our neighbors, even if they don't deserve it. Because ultimately, God is calling all men to Himself. It's why He brought Jesus in the world. He's bringing all men to Himself. He loves you and He loves me and He loves people so much. And He's always writing His perfect will and plan in our lives. We got two weeks to go, folks. Two weeks. You're going to live them stressed out or you going to live them carefree? You're going to be high strung and tick people off? are you going to extend grace and mercy to those around us? Our choice. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to even know the details surrounding your birth, the characters and the people that you put in place. God, and even though sometimes we scratch our heads and we wonder why you you do one thing for one person and then you do something different for another person and so often it seems like life isn't fair. Why, God? Why do they get happy news and this person gets sad news? Why does this person get a prayer answered and this person's been praying for decades and the prayer never seems to be answered? But God, we thank you today that even if we don't have all the answers, that we can cling to you in your promises, in your word, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, and that you are constantly working on our behalf because ultimately you're weaving our lives and our stories into your greater story until one day when we will see you face to face. So, God, this Christmas, help each and every one of us to slow down to take a deep breath, to soak in your word and your promises. And as we do that, as we're overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy and love in our lives, that now, God, we extend that same grace and mercy and love to every single person around us. God, we love you. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We're humbled once again by you. It is in your son's name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Will you please stand with me this morning for our blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace.